Good morning. Uh, my name is Flora, as Dan's already introduced. Uh, if you don't know, I'm married to Ben, who spoke last week, and we've got three primary school-aged children. So this weekend, for the first time ever, I have had, well, since we got married, I have had the house to myself, which has been amazing. It's been really nice to have some peace. Um, you know, it's really good for us to be sharing our stories about how the last 18 months has been, because for each one of us, we'll have a different story, and we need to be gracious and understanding and know what it's been like for one another. For us, we, nothing particularly eventful happened, but we were working from home, homeschooling, and job sharing, which was quite intense. So it's been quite an intense 18 months. So to, to be just hear the sound of my own thoughts has been quite a change. And I know that they've had a lovely time. I've not heard anything, so it must be good the, their weekend. Okay. So this morning, I'm going to be continuing our series on Acts 2. So if you've got your Bible with you, uh, do grab that because we're going to be reading that this morning. Now, if, you're, if you weren't here for the last couple of weeks or you're new to church, I'm going to give you a really quick summary. Okay, so in the New Testament, Jesus was alive. Jesus died. He came back to life and he said to his followers... I want you to go and make disciples, which means followers of Jesus, to all, of all nations, but you need to wait for the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will give you power to be able to go and tell people about Jesus, about the truth. And so they were waiting, and the Holy Spirit was poured out, which is what Ben spoke about last week, but that was kind of just on the followers of Jesus. There were the Jews that were looking, saying, I'm really confused what's going on. And there were also other onlookers that were just ridiculing them and saying, they're drunk. And so now we then step into what we're going to be talking about this morning, which is Peter's speech. Now, one thing that's really important for us as the church is absolutely we want to be moved and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is absolutely key but we also need to make sure that everything is grounded in the word of God. And so we must look to truth. And so this morning we've had all sorts of things going on, different things from the Holy Spirit. And if you're not sure about anything, you need to go back to the Bible because we are absolutely grounded in the truth. And what I love about this church is we are open to the Holy Spirit and we love embracing the Holy Spirit, but we also hold tight to the word of God. And so this morning, this passage is really long. It is really long, but I feel like it was really good for us to be listening to it and letting the Holy Spirit and the actual words do some of the job for me <laughs> because, because the word of God is alive and it's active and God will be speaking this morning through the words. So I'm going to invite Amy up to, to read the passage because it is, it is a good chunk. So it's Acts 2, 14 to 41. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. 
These people are not drunk, as some of, some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses to this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out among us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the, by our Lord, our God, by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all.
Well done to Amy for reading that. Thank you for saving my voice a little bit. Awesome. So that is the word of God. That is the first church sermon that was ever said. So they'd had, a bit like we have this morning, they'd had this moment of outpouring of the Holy Spirit and then somebody gets up to explain what's going on. It's the first church sermon of history. What I want to do this morning is I want to look a little bit about what's going on in, in, this, in this sermon and then I want to have a look at what we do about it. So first of all, uh, yeah, oh, the, oh. praise Jesus, it literally opened at exactly the right page. <laughs> um, so it's kind of divided into three chunks, this sermon. So you've got the first bit, which is 14 to 21, which is about the Holy Spirit being poured out. And um, Peter saying, hang on a minute, this was prophesied. This was always going to be the case. This is just the promise fulfilled. This is what was always going to happen. The Holy Spirit is for everyone. It's for the oldest to the youngest. It's for men and for women. And it's for all time. It's every day, everywhere, for everyone. So the Holy Spirit was poured out at this time 2,000 years ago, but also the Holy Spirit continues to be poured out until Jesus returns. That's the promise for us as his people. The second part of the sermon focuses on who Jesus is. What has he done? That he's speaking to the Jews and he's saying, this, this Jesus that you crucified... He died, but he was brought back to life. And now he's exalted to the highest place. He is your Lord. He is your king. He's the one that you've been waiting for, and you've totally missed the point. He's the chosen one. He is the Messiah. It's all about Jesus. And he draws out passages from the Old Testament. He draws them out and says, see, look, this is what's going on. His knowledge of the word of God, of Jesus... It's just right at the forefront of his head. And um, I hope you don't mind me sharing the story. I've seen you in the room. Grace, Grace. Um, last week, you came up to me and you said a story, and it just hit me. It, you were saying about how you'd met somebody in the park, and um, you were talking to them about Jesus, and they said to you something like, what is that smell? I can smell the smell of flowers. And you said, I'm not wearing any perfume. It's not me. But in the Bible, it says that the followers of Jesus carry the fragrance of Christ. And the reason it hit me so much is because I thought, I suddenly thought about all, <laughs> there's been several times in my life where people have said things, not, not the same, but similar things to me. And I've just missed the point. I've missed the drawing out of what the nature of Jesus. So I can remember clearly when I was a teenager, some of my friends coming round to our house and saying, I love coming to your house because it's so peaceful. And, and I could have just said, it's because the Holy Spirit's here and the Holy Spirit's from God and he gives us peace. It could have been that simple. And I think so often what we think is we need to give this long this long sermon, the entire gospel display, and lead someone to Christ right in that moment in order to tell somebody about Jesus. And we need to take that pressure off. And I'm speaking to myself as much as everybody because I think I want to give the whole package. But maybe it's telling somebody your story about your own miscarriage or job loss or relationship breakdown and how Jesus changed 
things for you. Or maybe it is just one biblical truth that you're putting in. Maybe it is the, maybe it needs to be the entire gospel. And, you know, we've been taught, haven't we, how to, to share that. That is really important. But also the readiness to speak about Jesus. We've been, um, quite a few parents have been doing a Parenting for Faith course over the last few months. And one of the things that a number of people have said is, the real challenge to me is having Jesus kind of there and talking about Jesus really freely to my children and modeling that, that is quite a challenge to me. And that's the challenge for all of us as Christians, isn't it? Having Jesus as front and center so that we're ready to talk about him. And this morning, um, no, not this morning, last night, I was thinking about what I was going to be sharing this morning. And I was thinking, oh, I don't, I don't know. And I felt like God just said to me over and over again, you've got to focus on Jesus. You've just got to focus on the message of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him being the living and alive word, the very representation of everything. Um, And so we must have Jesus as the front and focus of our mind. And then what Peter does in the third part of his sermon is he then points them to a response and shows them what to do. And, you know, we, we can do the same. We can give people a pathway. Here's what you can do next. But Peter says, what do you need to do? You need to repent. You need to repent of your sins because Jesus has forgiven us. And repent means to go from this direction of probably, ridic- you know, imagine the context. They're ridiculing. They're saying, are these people junk? This direction, denying Jesus to this direction, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, Jesus, I want to follow you. Repent is a complete change of direction. And then what do they need to do? Well, you need to be baptized in water. We believe in, in the physical baptism of water. So what does, what does that actually mean? Well, earlier on in the New Testament, John did baptism, and that was for sin. So it's like a bath. You go down in the water you get clean and you come up. And then Jesus died and he was resurrected. So there was further meaning into it. You go down, you die to yourself with Jesus. And then as Jesus was brought back to life, so are we into a new life. So it deals with your past. It's about your forgiveness, the physical representation of doing baptism, which I'm stood over now. And if you want to be baptized, or you're interested, or you're not sure what it's about, we're going to be running a baptism course next week. It's going to be 10.30 till 11.30 in the small lounge, which is behind those, that tier. And Anne and Merrick are going to be explaining what baptism is. So if you do want to find out more, we'd love to signpost you to that. But then it's not just that physical thing, it's also the internal spiritual thing that the Holy Spirit does inside of us. It says that we then will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, that he will fill us and empower us and help us with our future. We need to be ready to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we believe that we want to repent of our sins, be baptized in water, and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because we, as Ben shared last week, we are powerless without the Holy Spirit. Okay, so 
Another really important thing, that's a very brief summary of a very, very long passage. And if God has been doing things inside of you um, and speaking to you through that passage as it was read, grab hold of what the Holy Spirit is saying to you individually as well. But I want to move on because there's one other thing I think is really important about this passage, and it's the context of who is the person giving the speech. So we've had quite a few speeches over the last 18 months, you know, more from the Queen than we usually would, quite a bit from Boris telling us what we should or probably shouldn't be doing. We've had quite a lot of of these sorts of speeches. They're the kind of people that you imagine giving a speech, though. The Prime Minister, Queen, that makes sense. Peter doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense in many regards that he is the first person to give this speech. Let's think about for a moment who Peter was. So Peter is the guy who, when Jesus is walking on water, he steps out of the boat, because he's quite enthusiastic. He steps out of the boat, but then he's so fearful, he doesn't trust in Jesus, and he falls in. He's also the guy that Jesus says to him, you are the rock on which I'm going to build my church. I'm going to change your name from Simon to Peter. But then literally moments later, he says he doubts Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, he's a little bit over the place. Uh, What else does he do? Oh, yeah, just before Jesus is going to die and the soldiers come and get him, he cuts off a soldier's ear and then hours later denies Jesus. Like, he, it's, a, it's pretty hit and miss. Is he going to be the one to give this sermon on this day? Well, he did. He got up and he did it. He went for it. If anyone's familiar with the Enneagram, Peter would be a type six, a loyalist who is very loyal, very loving, slightly fearful and skeptical as well. So you don't necessarily expect him to do it, but he does. And that's really important. Because of all of those things I've just said, who relates to Peter? I definitely do. I definitely feel like I relate to Peter. I I definitely feel, I love Jesus, I'm enthusiastic, but I feel fearful. And and what's going to happen? But he does. And why do I think he does? Well, I think there's kind of three reasons I can see. First of all, as I said earlier, Jesus has said to him, You are Peter, the rock on which I'm going to build my church. So Jesus has already called that identity out of him. And so in that moment that he steps up, I wonder what he's thinking. Oh, oh, this is the moment that I've got to stand up and actually say the right thing. This is the moment that I've been waiting for. I don't know, but he definitely aligns his identity vertically. He aligns it with what God's saying rather than horizontally about what's going on around him. So uh, for me, over the last few months, I felt like I am stepping out of a boat onto water in the changeover from my role from children's worker into this new role. Because I feel a huge sense of responsibility for the children. And I feel like if I step out and start doing this, what's going to happen to the children? And, um, but I know, I know what God's asking me to do. And so I I'm looking at him, and I also know the truth about what Jesus has said, and that's that he loves those with children. He carries them in his arms, and they are close to his heart, and he loves children. He says, let the children come to me. 
I know that God will not let our children go. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. But I know that God won't let them go. I have to focus vertically what is God saying, not what's going on around me. The second thing that I think for Peter is that he he knows Jesus very close. He knows the word of God. And a bit like I was sharing about grace, he, he just, he knows what happened. He knows the Old Testament. He knows those things. He's ready to share that. He's convicted about who Jesus is. He knows him very well. Finally, of course, we're in Acts. So I have to say this. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's just been filled with the Holy Spirit. He is bold because of the power of the Holy Spirit in him. We can have all the truth that we want in our heads. But if we don't receive the power of the Holy Spirit, without the Holy Spirit, it's useless. That is why Jesus said, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, but you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. It's both and it's the Holy Spirit and it's the message of truth. And that is what we are all about as Christians every day. Filled with the Holy Spirit to be bringers of truth. We can't have one without the other. We must, we must immerse ourselves in the word of God because it is the truth. It's the truth for us. And this, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not just a one-off event. It's not just something that happened once. It's not just something that happens on the day we get baptized and that's it. It is for all, it's for all time. It's every day. It's ongoing. So if we flick over into Acts 4... Peter is continuing to share the message of, um, of Jesus. And in verse 29, chapter 4, 29, they're coming back to say, we need to be praying about this. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Even Peter, the rock on which the church was built and the person to give the first church sermon, he needed to carry on praying for boldness. And so we need to, if you feel fearful and you feel skeptical and you're not sure, pray for boldness every day. And so... As I come to a close, I think there's a couple of responses that I would like us to be ready for. Firstly, if you have never kind of made that turn from, I deny Jesus, I think this is ridiculous, to actually, yes, I'm sorry, Jesus, for all the things I've done and I want to follow you. If you've never done that, we would love to pray for you. And within that, if, 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 if you have never been baptized, there's a practical response you can make next week by going to the baptism course. But for all of us, we need to pray for boldness. We need to pray for Jesus to be front and center. And so we're going to be moving into um, a time of, a small time of worship in response. Um, what would be great is for us to all be ready to receive the Holy Spirit and ask for boldness within our situation. Amy's going to be singing a song which I came to her just about 20 minutes before 
<laughs> the service started and said, I really feel it would be good to, for us to um, sing this song at the end. We sang this song at the Pioneer Conference 18 months ago, and it's, it's very, very powerful and sums up a lot of what I've been speaking about. And then Sarah said, I thought the same, but I thought I shouldn't say that, or something like that. So, um, yeah, we're going to sing this together. So let's stand up. Let's be ready to pray for boldness for ourselves. And if you would like to know Jesus for the first time, then we'd love to pray for you. So um, we will be at the front ready to pray for people. If you want to receive the Holy Spirit for the first time as well, we'll be here praying. We do ask that you wear a mask if you come forward because it is quite close contact. So if you're praying or being prayed for, there's some masks there. So shall I pray to start? To end? To end? Yes. Okay, brilliant. Jesus, I thank you for the truth of who you are. I thank you for the word and the promise of who you are. That you are our Lord and you are a Messiah, our Messiah, and you are seated and enthroned on high. We want to be a people that are deeply rooted in your words, but completely empowered by your Holy Spirit. And we don't want to neglect one for the other. And we know that what you've asked us to do is to be bold and to be very courageous and to let people know about you, Jesus. But we can only do it with your Holy Spirit. And so even if it's for the 50 billionth time, we pray that you would fill us and give us boldness as we go out into our weeks and we share Jesus, whether that's through our words or our actions. Let you be the front and center, Jesus. Amen. Do stand if you would like to.